So we're saying goodbye to Jeanette. There is a sense because of who we are and what we become together that we're going to be friends for life. It's going to be one of those friendships I know that we can pick up the phone at any time and it's just going to be just as if no time has passed. You know those kind of friendships that you have? There's something about sitting up here (laughs) as many times as we had and anticipating each other musically. It just kind of gets your brainwaves going in the the same direction, which is really kind of scary if you've looked inside Jeanette's mind a little bit. (laughs) But at the same time, the friendship is never going to be the same again. You know, we all need community that is local that is present. We need friends that we see every day or every week on a regular basis, living, breathing people that you can take by the shoulders and shake. You know, it's those kinds of friendships that we absolutely need. And so as Jeanette moves to Georgia, she's going to need to find those friends. And as she goes to Georgia, we're going to need to find a way to fill the gap and the, and the spot that she's leaving. Even as we remain friends, even as our love extends and, and continues on, there's going to be these changes that we're going to need to negotiate. It feels like I've been saying goodbye so much over these last couple of years. It's been, um, it's been kind of strange. You know, and it's not just people. It's also places. You know, we've, we've lost our, our home here twice now and had to move twice. And we lost Bubba and we lost Shirley, who was uh, such a huge part of my life. Um, we've, we've lost Cowboy and are going to be saying goodbye to him later on today. There's been so much movement, it feels like. And there's this constant saying of goodbye. And now, Jeanette. And every time you say goodbye to someone, it takes a little piece of you with him or her, doesn't it? You know, there's, there's that, that sense. And after a while, you get, you get your heart broken enough. You want to pull back and you want to defend a little bit, don't you? You want to put up a little bit of a boundary, a little bit of a wall, so that at least rewire the output so it isn't quite is strong. And, and that's the temptation that we want to do when we have to say goodbye and someone is taking that part of us. And so we want to protect our, our hearts and it never seems to get easier every time that we do this. And yet, in fact, you know what? If you just took friendships and parenthood and other relationships and just put them on paper, wrote the pros and the cons out, would it ever really pencil out? Especially as being a parent. I mean, if you put all the pros and cons of having a child, would you ever have one? You know? Especially if you count in the teenage years. It doesn't seem to pencil out on paper until you're holding that baby in your arms. And then everything shifts. It's the same thing with friendships. It's the same thing with romantic relationships. You know, the freedoms that you give up to, to be in a relationship, it's amazing. And yet... With the right partner, with the right friendship, it just all balances out. And there it is. And it makes it worthwhile. I think this is the kind of love that Jesus is trying to get across to us. It's a full-throated love. It's a mature love. It's, it's different than the kind of love that our culture usually is trying to put out there. Last uh, On our Wednesdays now, we've shifted over to the prophet. And uh, we're looking at the, the prophet by Khalil Gibran. And um, 
He, last Wednesday, we read the first little uh, passage on love. And if you don't know the prophet, uh, it's the story of a young man who was marooned for reasons we don't get to understand on a distant shore in a distant town for 12 years. And uh, he lived among the people, but he was a prophet among them. He was someone, a, a wise person. He lived kind of on the outskirts of, of the town, and he, he kept to himself enough as part of his spiritual discipline. And yet they came to love him. They came to rely on him. And when his ship finally comes in and it's time for him to leave, they all run to the docks with him and they entreat him to stay. Please stay. And uh, he knows he needs to go, even though his heart is being torn by the goodbyes that have to take place. But then the, uh, the leader comes out and says, we understand that you have to leave. But before you go, will you tell us a few things that we really want to know. Share your wisdom with us. And the whole rest of the book is just on all of these questions, on love, on marriage, on children, on death, on all these different things that we all would want to know the answers to. And the first one was on love. And we read that last Wednesday. And the the, uh, discussion was so interesting. I wanted to read it to you this morning because I'm feeling it really pertains. And uh, I put it in the inserts if you want to follow along, or better yet, maybe just close your eyes and just listen to the words. This is prose poetry. It lives in a different space. And see if you can kind of hear the cadence of it. Al-Mustafa says, When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings enfold you, yield to him though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe in him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as a north wind lays waste to the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so he is for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. Like sheaves of corn, he gathers you unto himself. He threshes you to make you naked. He sifts you to free you from your husks. He grinds you to whiteness. He kneads you until you are pliant. And then he assigns you to his sacred fire that you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. All these things love does unto you so that you may know the secrets of your heart and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. But if in your fear you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you that you cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the seasonless world where you shall laugh, but not all your laughter And you shall weep, but not all your tears. Love gives not but itself, and takes not but from itself. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed. For love is sufficient unto love. And when you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. And think not that you can direct the course of love. For love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these 
be your desires. To melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night. To know the pain of too much tenderness. To be wounded by your own understanding of love. And to bleed willingly and joyfully. To wake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving. To rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy. To return home at eventide with gratitude and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. Wow. These are beautiful words. You just let them flow over you. Most of you had your eyes closed. You're hearing it in real time, but are you catching the drift of what he's trying to say? Because there's something going on here in his vision of love that is something that we don't often hear in our culture or in our churches. There's a balance to it. There's a reality to it. There's a grit to it. And I think what he's doing is he's making four main points about love. And this is what I think we need to get a grasp of. The first point is that he's telling us is that love is not for the (laughs) faint-hearted. Not for the faint of heart. Love is going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult path. He calls it steep and he calls it high. It's going to be shaking us to our very cores, shaking us to our roots if we really allow love to do its work. And you heard the imagery, the wonderful imagery. His ways are hard and steep. The sword that is hidden among the wings that enfold you may wound you. His voice may shatter your dreams. Love, shattering your dreams? Yeah, hasn't that happened to you? And even as love crowns you, he will crucify you, threshes you, sifts you, frees you from your husks, grinds you to whiteness. He's moving now into the second point, which is that love is transformative. Love is a process that transforms us. Even in violent ways, violently shaking loose, grinding off, separating us from anything that is impure, anything that does not allow us to be completely present to each other and to the Spirit of God. It's, it's that idea of wheat being transformed into bread for the sacred feast. All of the steps that have to go into that. The wheat has to be threshed. The husk has to be separated from the grain. That has to be ground to white flour. That has to be kneaded into dough. All of these images, all of that action is working on us. If we're not malleable, if we're not willing, how in the world does that take place? And then when all that happens, then we get stuck in the fire. But at the end of that is the sacred bread for the sacred feast. A process Not a pleasant process at times, but a process that is essential to us going everywhere that Jesus is trying to take us. The third point, love must be swallowed whole. You can't just take little bites. You can't just take the parts that you like. What did he say here? It's beautiful. If in your fear, because it's always fear that limits us, right? If in your fear you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it's better for you to get off that bus. Get out of the threshing floor. Cover up your nakedness. In other words, put your defenses back up. 
Put the walls back in place because you can't remain that vulnerable if you're not willing to go where love is leading, where Jesus is leading. And then you will move into a seasonless world. That word is perfect. A seasonless world. A world without the seasons. California is kind of like a world without the seasons, isn't it? We don't have the highs and the lows of summer and, and fall. We have summer, but we don't have fall. We don't have winter. And then the, the, word, the, the image there. You can still have a good life if you keep your defenses up. It can be pleasant. It could be comfortable. You can have friendships. And you will laugh, but not all your laughter. And you will weep, but not all your tears. You will never be able to experience the fullness of what it means to be a human being, completely present to our Father and to each other in community. This is huge. We have to have the whole thing. We have to be willing to take it all, everything that love offers. And the last point, love is its own reward. Love is its own outcome. There is no there out there someplace. Love has no agenda that it's pointing to. It can't. It's sufficient unto itself. It is one thing. It is fully functional as itself. Just as the Trinity we talked about, fully functional within itself. Love needs nothing else. Its object is its subject, and its subject is its object. The lover and the beloved merge. The giver and the, and the receiver merge. It's one thing. And it all happens right now. Real love is simultaneous. It's all happening now in one place. Not a means to an end, but all right here, right now, all at once. Love is difficult. It's a hard path. Love is transformative. It's a process that will take us someplace. Love is a unity of both peace and pain. And we have to take it all. And love is always right here and right now. These are the points, I think, being expressed so poetically, so beautifully here. But what he's trying to get across here is exactly what Jesus is trying to get across. Think back to Jesus' language, the way that he describes love and the way that he describes this journey, the the paradoxical language that he uses. He says that there's no greater love than laying down your life for your friend. And we think of that as dying, but it's living, laying down everything that you think it means to be a friend, to be a lover, to be a parent. In any of the love relationships that we have, what does it really require to be that partner, to be that provider, receiver, beloved, or lover? What does it take? It takes everything. To lay down your life for your friend is to do exactly what love requires. When he talks about losing your life so that you may gain it, another way of looking at the same thing, to pick up your cross. Love will crown you. Love will crucify you. Here's Jesus saying, if you really are going to love, to open yourself up for that kind of heartbreak guarantees that your heart is going to be broken at some point. Are you ready for that? Is that something that you're willing to do? This is a vision of mature love. This is not Hallmark greeting time at all. 
This is not even Jesus loves me, this I know. As long as we understand the fullness of what that means for Jesus to love us that deeply. He says to love our enemies. He said that he didn't come to bring peace, but to bring the sword. Which means that, yes, there's going to be peace within the love, but we can't have the peace without the other. That is the transformative process that is taking us through again and again. Love opens us up to that heartbreak, and we have to be willing to take down our defenses and be willing to be vulnerable if love is going to do its work. What Jesus is asking us, what love is asking us, is if we will remain vulnerable again and again. When we take on a friend and that friend leaves, that friend dies, when everything that moves into focus moves back out of focus again. And especially in a church setting, it just seems like things are so fluid. I was a school teacher for just a few years, but you get one class and you love that class and then they're gone. And you got another class and you start all over again and you get them just into that sweet spot and then it's graduation time and you have another class. But this is life. Our friendships and our relationships are moving in and out of focus. If we get hurt and we pull back, we can laugh, but not all our laughter. This is what Jesus is asking. This is what love is asking. Are we willing to be that vulnerable over and over again? Because only from that state of vulnerability and complete openness can love actually do its work and transform. I truly believe that this is the message of the cross. Jesus going to the cross, that crucifixion, not about appeasing an angry God, not about changing God's mind about us. He didn't need his mind changed. But it's Jesus willing to be completely open, completely vulnerable, and completely gracious under the most extreme and ultimate circumstances. Showing us what it looks like to never give up opening up. Seeing the most heinous enemies still somehow worthy of your love, your attention, and your grace. This is what he's trying to get across to us. So what's the meaning to us this morning? What's the meaning to us as we say goodbye to Jeanette? You know, If we're going to answer Jesus' call, then the call is for us to continue to be gracious. Even though we don't want her to go, even though we could be a little bit cross with her for making this particular choice, to bless her on her way, to with our whole hearts celebrate the new home that she is building with her family, and to have a part of us go with her, find creative ways to stay in contact as as we go forward, but to let her go. And to not make her feel in any way beholden to us or in any way uncomfortable with the going. Because that's not the point. We want you to fly. Be gracious. And secondly, can we remain vulnerable? Can we open ourselves up to this kind of pain again and again and again as inevitably We take on friends that we know at some point we're going to have to say goodbye to. This is the way life works. We're going to keep saying goodbye to people until they say goodbye to us.
That's life. Can we remain open to it with grace and learn everything that love has to teach us? This is the beauty of Jesus' message. And this is the beauty of the poetry that is helping to illuminate more what Jesus is saying. Let's practice that kind of love. Not be afraid of that kind of love. Not be afraid of the hurt because it is always opening us up to more and more and more of the joy, the awareness that life has to offer. If you so choose during the next song, there are communion elements up there, the prepackaged kind. What Jesus talks about in terms of communion is exactly this. It is that complete openness that allows us even to take into ourselves the beloved and the lover at the same time, to, to unite the two in our very being. As we play these next songs, feel free to go and, and take communion with that in mind. This is the symbol of what you are doing. It's opening yourself back up, regardless of whatever hurt that you felt, to more of this kind of love, this perfect love.